Hello, welcome back everybody to another episode of Brewing with Conviction at Conviction Gaming. This is your host, Chris Martin, joined tonight by co-host Jesus Garcia. Jesus, it's been a minute since we've done a recording together. I'm super thrilled to be back with you. What's going on? Yeah, it's been a while, man, especially with everything going on. Uh... <laughs> with everything <Yeah>. going on. <laughs> period. <laughs> period. Uh, that period. That is a bolded period. Um, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it's it's been crazy. Um, I've had, obviously, a lot going on in my personal life. I mean, you, everybody has. It's, it's not a, I'm sitting here talking about it like it's a personal thing just for me. But I know everybody out there is dealing with something with... 2020 just being the part of my friend's shittiest year of all time. Um, but yeah, we're, we're not going to dwell on it. We're going to have a good time tonight. We're going to talk about uh, kind of a controversial topic. It should be an enjoyable yet semi-controversial conversation talking about the secret lair that just got announced earlier this week, The Walking Dead. It's coming to secret lair near you starting on October 4th, and it'll be available all the way through October 12th, I believe, are the dates on that. I'll double check that. But um, you will be able to pre-order that for a week starting on Sunday. uh, And it'll actually start to coincide with the Walking Dead season premiere, which is Sunday night as well. So Walking Dead's coming to magic. What's your what's your immediate take? Give me give me your uh, the the God's honest truth here. I honestly think that this this cast is going to turn into a debate between the two of us. But I'm legitimately (laughs) a fan of The Walking Dead. And I, I really actually do enjoy the flavor of these cards. Uh, there's just a few things with the cards themselves that bother me, as well as the overall, the overall fact on how Wizards is handling this. That's really making me mad. But we'll get into yeah. that later. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna talk all about that, and um, promise we won't have an all-out brawl. Though I, I agree, there's gonna be some points that you and I, I think, definitely, um, definitely saw differently, which kind of unusual usually we're pretty on the same page with a lot of this stuff so it should be good though i think that's good healthy discussion and uh pretty excited for it so we'll, we'll get to that i did just confirm october 4th to 12th secret layer walking dead will be available and yes it does coincide with the series season premiere series premiere not series sorry season premiere of the walking dead which will be at 10 p.m eastern 7 p.m pacific time on sunday um i apologize 9 p.m eastern 6 p.m pacific time is when that will launch and they'll be talking about it after the show at 10 p.m 7 p.m pacific uh talking about the actual cards for magic so anyway look forward to that if you are a walking dead fan this is probably a super exciting crossover super exciting announcement by wizards and the you know the ip that uh walking dead has put together on the cable network for upwards of about a decade at this point just a just about it might even be a decade at this point uh it, it be impressive it's been one of the most watched cable television shows cable television shows of all time so i mean the name itself the brand you know it's it's pretty impressive and and really i think one of the things that kind of got lost in all of the controversy within the community is just how impressive and how monumental something like this is for the health of the game long term um i i know that's been kind of a it's probably just spurring some of the controversy and we'll talk all about this, but the idea that we do have eyes and ears of fans of the walking dead who may have never played magic or are people who may know magic exists, but have never tried it. And, you know, are the type of people who this might push them to, to, 
to give the game a shot. That's the type of thing in my mind as someone who's financially motivated with the game, loves playing the game, loves really everything about this game, uh, really excited about. I think the opportunity for the fan base of Magic to potentially grow is a really exciting takeaway. And so kind of starting out talking about some of the positives of this, I think that's a huge one. What's your take on that? I, on this regard, I completely agree with you. Um, I love The Walking Dead. I've been reading the comics for a long time. I actually fell off of watching the show way back. But in terms of the comics, I just thoroughly enjoy them. So I very much enjoy this crossover. Um, I actually want to pick up the secret layer myself. Not for all the other BS that's going on, but because I just enjoy the series. Well, I just enjoy the comics. I yeah. enjoy the characters. So, yeah, it's funny. I used to watch. I, I watched the first. I'm gonna say estimated four seasons of Walking Dead, roughly, um, and then I kind of fell in and out of it. I, I have a rough idea of what's going on, although um, some of the characters I don't really know a whole lot about, and learn some things about that. I know one of the things we're gonna talk about is Negan. Uh, at some point, we're gonna discuss his background and the controversy with that, which we'll get to that in a, in a few minutes here, but um, there are several cards and, and we'll talk about those as well. And uh, ultimately, yeah, I think it's a guy, I, I can't say I'm a huge walking dead fan. I, I have seen the series in, you know, in bits and pieces. And I, I, I guess conceptually more so for me, I just know how popular the series has been. And, uh, and it's just, I just think this is a really cool thing for magic to be doing the one thing for me. And so this is kind of our first of several controversial topics that I want to discuss, you know, that the community has brought up and been frustrated about is the idea that these are not silver bordered cards. They're actually black bordered legal in eternal formats, meaning they're legal in commander. That's probably the most important and relevant situation, but they're also legal in legacy and vintage. And uh, just the impact that that has both, there's kind of two parts to this, Jesus, so I'll tee it up for you, but there's two parts to the question I want to ask. One is the fact that these are legal cards that are delivered through Secret Layer, but are unique, you know, mechanically unique uh, originals that are being delivered through this format. That's the first question. That's a loaded question. We'll talk about that. The second is the fact that these unique cards are black border, not silver border, which has a couple of implications. One, like I just said, it's legal in all its formats. And two, it implies that the Walking Dead is happening on the multiverse of magic. Essentially that you could almost kind of correlate this over to say that the Walking Dead, which happens on Earth, means that Earth is in the multiverse of magic. And I, I don't, for me personally, I'm just going to share my thoughts on this because it's, it's the one thing for me that this kind of immediately evoked a reaction to which is, I'm not so sure that I could see a scenario where in my imagination, I like the idea of magic and earth coexisting in some multiverse that, that I, to me, it was always a fantasy universe out there and, and magic. And it was a way to get away from the day-to-day -day of <laughs> real earth and all the crap that goes on in our world. So the idea that these cross over in that way, kind of, I don't know, it just kind of, Rub me the wrong way, I guess. I don't really have strong feelings about it because I do think that this crossover is awesome, but there is that element to it. What's your take on that piece? Honestly, when it comes to lore-related aspects, I, I honestly think, well, Wizards just didn't think. Wizards just didn't think about that at all when they decided to make these Black Border. And I'm not really taking it as that. I'm taking it as 
Oh, Herder pretty cards. Uh, they decided to make them black border for some ungodly reason. But people who are looking into it from a lore perspective, I don't think are... Well, I don't think that's quite the direction that anyone really thought of. To, well, at first, at least. Right. And the, the lack of... Yeah, I agree. Because I imagine... You know, I, I, I'm again, I, and this is maybe a shortcoming of the fact that we're going to be deep diving into the Walking Dead crossover. I don't actually know the Walking Dead well enough to talk about the comics. I mean, I know they all exist. I've not watched the show or read the comics to a level where I can understand what I would classify as lore about the Walking Dead itself. Um, I really don't even know the characters that well. I I know some of them, but not not all of them. Uh, And with that being said, though, I think maybe that actually is part of the problem for the franchise magic player like myself i've been around this game for over 20 years we see these cards printed uh and you have to almost remind yourself these aren't actually being printed for us they're being printed for fans of the walking dead that are out there that they want to bring into magic i think that's their primary audience and then you know subsequently obviously you've got a crossover of walking dead fans who already play magic who are going to buy the heck out of this and and you know just absolutely love the idea of having Negan or Michonne or, or uh, Glenn, I think, are the three cards we've got so far as their commanders. So I think there's there's like these different audiences, and I think I fall into this third category where it's like, yeah, I don't really know much about The Walking Dead, and it's kind of weird for me that they're like now infringing on my magic imagination. So that's kind of my, I guess, summary on that. But it, ultimately, it doesn't really matter what I think because they exist, and I'm sure anyone else out there that feels similarly, we're just going to have to kind of accept it and get used to it. So. All right, so I just brought up the second piece of this, which is the part that I think we should unpackage a little bit, and it's the idea that these unique cards, mechanically unique, name unique, uh, first time ever printed cards, are coming through Secret Layer. So there are a lot of of aspects to this that I think, first of all, that we need to talk about, and second of all, that I think are kind of surprising. I, I, I just I don't know how else to put it that. The first thing I want to touch on tied to all that is Secret Lair was originally announced to be a reprint-driven mechanism for them to get exclusive new art that they wouldn't normally print into a you know standard set or even like a, a pre-con or a supplemental set. They wanted to do this so that they could explore with other explore other avenues of art in a unique format or a unique fashion. And they hit a home run with that very first bundle. You know, we, I mean, we talk about this probably every fifth cast, the Justine Jones art in Kaleidoscope Killers was just unbelievable. They did the tattoo one over the summer, which was tremendous. I mean, there's been a lot. I'm just, those are a couple that pop into my mind, but what's your take on that? That they've gone back on a promise and they are now delivering mechanically unique first time prints in this fashion. I Wizards has broken their word many times at this point. Um, <laughs> on this, I am numb. It is the other. It's the other implications that come with this that's been really pissing me off. Uh, more particularly, the fact that they're trying to bring in a mechanism in which should introduce new players through a premium product. Uh, that just seems crappy. For example, if you look at uh, the Godzilla, well, if you look at Godzilla cards, those were done through collector boosters, which you you could 
easily be like, oh, hey, pick up one for 15 bucks, see if I get lucky. Or easily pick, well, since they're in white, oh, in high, much higher supply, uh, just trade with friends or buy them on the secondary market to be able to bring those Godzilla fans into MTG or someone like Lockheed, where they're just a, well, where they just love Godzilla, they'll collect all of them if they are already an enfranchised player. Uh, but with these, I'm not a fan of the way they're pushing it because it's a premium product. If you want to get a new... Because think about the primary area where these cards are going to be played. We have Daryl, Glenn, uh, Negan, and Michonne. All legendary creatures. They're heavily pushed to be commanders. And that means if you, a new player wants to pick up one of these up, you have to spend $50 to get all four of those. And we at this point, they have all but confirmed that Rick is going to be in it too. So $10 a card, not bad, but the fact that these are all going to be completely different commanders, and then you still have to pick up the decks to build around them, it's not a healthy way to bring new players in to the game, let alone the format. Yep. Yeah, I think uh, the second, just to kind of add on to that, one of the things that also does is it alienates countries that can't get secret layer which there are a lot of those out there and in my experience in working in i, I mean i work in technology product management and technology in my experience i've never in 10 plus years working in that field seen a company do something to this level where they've actually taken part of their product on a major crossover, which you know, for all intents and purposes, should really be a home run. I mean, th this is the type of thing that, as I said at the very beginning of this cast, it it brings new eyes to Magic. It props up the game, and it it puts it on par with something that's got a massive national brand in North America. And so, for that to not be a home run, what would you have to do to screw that up? Well. The first and foremost thing is they aren't making distribution of this product available globally, and, and they're a global brand. So to exclude your customer base, consumer base in that way, I think is, for me personally, the biggest miss of this entire product. You know, I said there's a lot of controversial things that we'll talk about today. There's a lot of different reactions that the community has generated from this, but to alienate part of your consumer base in something that should be a home run is really, I think, the thing that will prevail out of all the controversy. It's the one thing that, to me, just ends up being really a, a PR and, and, I don't know, PR nightmare, but also just a kind of a, a trust nightmare. Because like you said, Jesus, they've broken their promises so many times. And you can't, you, you can't even really count on fingers and toes how many times it's happened. Except they haven't broken the reserveless promise, unfortunately. Um, we'll get to that. But the, the fact that they've done it so many times, this one feels different to me because it alienates consumers and um, fans of the game in a different way than I think they've ever done before. I could be wrong on that. I certainly, there might be other examples that aren't popping in my head, but this is mechanically unique cards that I don't think has, I don't think that's ever happened before where a mechanically unique card in black border was printed in a way that certain areas of the world couldn't actually get it distributed you know to them they they are going to have to buy it secondhand 
you know, secret layer as a whole, you always have to buy secondhand if you're in Brazil, for example. But these are actually cards that are legal that have never been printed before. It's a lot different if you're trying to get it. it well, it's not terribly different, but I do think there's a lot of a difference in the fact that these aren't reprints. They don't have access to these cards any other way except for somebody to sell it to them from North America or some other part of the world that can access them. So anyway, that's that's kind of my take. I, I kind of want to stamp that one as as the number one reason for me that this is just you know a huge miss on their part, one, one of the big misses they made. I also kind of want to build off of that a little bit because even other countries and regions that do have access to the secret layer, the um, like import taxes, VAT, those are insane um, just trying to pick these up. So for example, in the US here, it's only $50 per, but like plus shipping. But if you're trying to pick this up in Canada, you could easily spend a hundred bucks for one. Now, if you're trying to play these in like legacy for some sort of meme thing, rather than just uh, pick them up for uh, commander, then you're going to need play sets. That means you're going to need to add four sets. That's already $200 in the U.S. That can easily skyrocket literally anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And see, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't think the legacy and vintage scenario is, is going to be super common. But then again, I've been reading things that Glenn might actually be fringe playable in legacy. So you never know, right? And, and to your point, if, if Glenn somehow ends up not being fringe playable, but playable but ends up actually being really good and becomes like a three of in i don't know infect decks for example that's a pretty significant situation right because now you've got a card that is only was only available for eight days for people to buy demand then changes theoretically after the card is proven and now you can't actually go buy it because it's not available anymore so that's, I think, a pretty significant situation. It's a great additional point that you just made, Jesus, is, is not so much just the distribution not being globally available, but also that it's a limited time offer. It's eight days, and and then you know we're basically in trouble until they can reprint it, which we did get confirmation today uh, just moments ago. They, they did a stream earlier this evening before this cast on their weekly MTG. It was Aaron Forsyth, and I don't know who the other uh, folks on there were, but one of them did say that these could be reprinted and have uh, exact Oracle text behind the scenes, which will align them. In other words, they can reprint these as another name, similar to the Godzilla style, and connect those behind the scenes via Oracle text so that functionally they're the same card and you can't actually have eight glens for example in a deck so that's that's at least encouraging not surprising to me i know a lot of people were thinking that that wouldn't be possible we've seen magic do a lot of or wizards do a lot of crazy things with oracle text in the past so i'm not super surprised by that being something that they're coming out and saying i apologize it was actually marrow who confirmed that by the way just looking at my notes and anyway i digress from the point that i was getting at is with regard to what you're saying, if Glenn, for example, becomes the three or four of in Legacy, and now you have that situation, you basically force Wizards' hand where they have to reprint these. So now you're in a timing, a scenario race against time for how fast could they get a reprint out to keep the price down. And what I've seen, uh, both in other collectible card games and, and other content creators talking about this week, is if that actually happens, I think you have to ban the card in that format. I don't think you can go 
with the the approach of all right well we're just gonna let it ride because the card itself is not accessible you know you're, you're gonna have a very hard time if a card is a four of in legacy of everybody being able to get access to it you'll run into that nexus of fate issue where it was a buy a box promo by the time before by the time the cards started coming out the format was basically solved because of arena and then the card itself was in so much demand for the first two or three events there weren't enough copies to go around people had to proxy them because they couldn't get copies of them they also had to proxy them because they were warping because they were foils i mean it was just a mess right so there's a lot of i guess what if situations that can happen out of this we'll have to see how it all plays out i I, i'm definitely not willing to like write this all off and be like okay this is the worst thing they've ever done but i think they've left themselves in a exposed kind of um vulnerable position right and and so we'll have to see how they pick it up and and what happens as the fallout kind of unfolds another thing about this is that that response is very disingenuous like uh if you think about it look at how long it took them for them to actually say that versus when they initially announced this like come on yeah yeah well yeah, I agree. I mean, I, yeah, it basically kind of insinuates that they didn't think about it at all. We were talking about that precast that they probably didn't think about this at all. And then it was like, wait a second, oops. And then it's like, backtrack, backtrack, backtrack. How do we fix this? Okay, we can do that. Okay, great. Boom. Here's the here's the answer. Right. Uh, I agree. It took them what three, four days to get that answer out. So um, anyway, all right. Well, we got a we got a question from the live listeners. Mike asked this question. Said. How long in advance do you think they made and scheduled this set for distribution? So, Mike, I, I'm going to start by saying they have said in the past, if I remember correctly, that their sets are typically anywhere from 36 to 48 months. I'm sorry, 24 to 36 months out, two to three years out in a lot of cases. They're, they're essentially designing a set right now, 2020, for roughly 2022 right so they the the sets that they announced about a month ago for us Kaldheim, i think is the next one and then there's the uh school of mages one i can't remember what that one was called but the those sets coming up in 2021 are probably already ready to go to the printer i mean they're they're more or less going to be and i can't say this for a fact but i as i understand it they're pretty darn close to probably being done with those especially the the spring set the one that'll be coming out in q1 with that all kind of being said, assuming that that's true or at least partially true, I'd have to imagine that this, the contracting of this, the conversations of this with The Walking Dead and AMC probably goes back, if I were to make a wild guess, I would say five years even. I, I can't imagine that this was something that they just called them up one day and were like, hey, can we do this? I imagine this the licensing negotiations took a while and that this was something that was... I said five years. That's probably really exaggerated because they wouldn't have even known Secret Layer was going to be a thing that far back. But at least a year or so ago, right? I mean, at least twelve months, if I were to guess. And so, it's a while that most of these sets come into play. Now, the one thing that's interesting about Secret Layer is they can do Secret Layer a lot faster than a full set, right? Because they're only talking about I don't know five cards or or so, and most of the time the cards are going to be reprints as well. You know, these are mechanically new, but I say mostly because all of them were reprints and they were supposed to all be reprints. So it's hard for me to really pin down an answer to your question, but I have to think that this was not like a one and done, you know, 
they made a phone call in April, for example, and they're like, oh yeah, we could totally do that in time for your season premiere, right? Like maybe that's what happened. It'd be great for them to divulge that information. I, I'm sure they probably can't, but it would be really cool to understand that process. Uh, I, I, I just can't envision that that actually being true. That, that I have to think that this was a one or two year process in the works and, and, you know, it took that long to get everything to come to come together. It's all speculation, though. I mean, ultimately, I can't really pin that question down for you. And when you really think about it that way, like how long the licensing agreement went, uh, being able to commission artists to be able to get this done, R&D to be able to properly play test these, especially for their targeted formats, mostly Commander, as you can tell that these are very heavily pushed for that format. And then you look at that and compare it with the Ikoria and the Godzilla cards. And how they got the Godzilla cards so perfectly right, how could they flop this badly is where I'm kind of at. And this is why it pisses me off. Yeah, that's another reason why I don't think that these were... The Godzilla thing was something that they probably had in the works for at least two years because it was designed into a standard set. So they had they had to have worked on that for a while to get that right. So actually, maybe that is a hint at your question, Mike, is may maybe this was faster than I'm giving it credit. Maybe they did do this in the last 8 to 12 months, and it really was a, a quick turnaround. Um, I, again, I, I think it would be really cool. I, it's probably worth like tweeting or uh, tweeting at some of the folks that are from WotC staff just to see if they would actually divulge that. It'd be really interesting to see how fast this came to life if it was a short short window or if it was a longer conversation so all right so picking back up with some of our other topics uh, that that this this whole <laughs> this whole thing led to let's revisit really quickly uh the, the idea that these are black bordered and not that it matters but Jesus, what are a couple of things that you were talking about to me what what are some of the things that you think they could have done differently here uh, on the off chance that they ever listen to our podcast and they'd say, hey, we care about what Chris and Jesus think on how we can make this better. What what would you say to that? Like, what, what could they have done differently instead of Black Border? Obviously, Silver Border. Like, if they just made it Silver Border and did what they did in the past with previous unset cards, where it's like, with old unset cards, what they would do is they kind of use them as a testing ground. And this is very pro prevalent as if you look at someone's set cards, they are word for word identical or mechanically identical to cards that got released later on. One of my favorite examples is the cheese stands alone because my good friend Luke actually uses that in his Karametra uh, deck because the functional reprint of it with one very minor change is Baron Glory. The difference between the cheese stands alone and Baron Glory is that Baron Glory only triggers on your upkeep, where the cheese stands alone is a state-based uh, trigger. Whatever. Not that big of a difference. Uh, but if they made these silver border and then Ola said, hey, we're releasing these silver bordered commanders for uncommander, because honestly, they would be perfect for uncommander with the way they play. Um, not only will that bring a lot of attention to Uncommander, as Uncommander is already popular, but it will also help bring people in with these really well with these really neat cards and 
they can, and that gives them the wiggle room to make any, well, to reprint them with minor tweaks to make them more balanced or more pushed, depending on what they feel the need is. So an interesting comment was made, Aaron Forsyth on today's stream, he said something to the, this is kind of paraphrasing, but he said our goal was to be more exclusive, uh, sorry, inclusive than exclusive with regard to printing these in black border instead of silver border. The fact that the design of these cards could fit into Magic's rules allowed them to keep these functionally black border as opposed to having to make them silver border, which they've done for some of our former you know, crossovers they did with like My Little Pony and, um, or My Little Ponies, I guess it's plural, <laughs> and uh, Transformers as well as Dun Dungeons and Dragons, the sword of Dungeons and Dragons. So the idea is that these could actually live within Magic's rules, and that was a big reason for them to push them into Black Border. The other reason is the inclusivity of them being Black Border means that TWD fans, and this is kind of a direct statement, uh, the, the Walking Dead fans don't have to ask other Commander players for permission to use the cards a la uncards, right? So essentially what, what they're getting at is if you're a fan of The Walking Dead and they made these a silver border, you really couldn't functionally use them on a consistent basis the same way you would any of your other normal commanders. I, I have to read between the lines and assume it, it doesn't say it explicitly. I don't believe he called it out specifically for commander. I think he was generalizing just playing these cards in any format, but I, I think we can read between the lines and say that they did black border because of commander. Cause to your point, these are all legendary creatures. Uh, I can't imagine any other scenario where that would be true uh, or that you wouldn't, <laughs> you'd have to ask permission. So anyway, that's an interesting thing from wizards. I think in terms of their thought process, it means that they did actually spend time talking about this, which is, you know, fr from a community standpoint, we tend to, I think Magic's community tends to underestimate how much Wizards does think about. And the fact that they brought that up very specifically and had an actual, like, I think very well thought out answer to it tells me that they really did contemplate this, right? It wasn't just like, okay, this is a crossover. We should put that in Silver Border. It was like, well, this is a crossover and we definitely want people to be able to play these and functionally, we can make these cards so that they're not so different from our actual game that they can just fit right in as Black Border. Uh, and, and then we can actually let people use these, right? So if they play these as commanders, they don't have to ask for permission because they're an uncommander, for example. So anyway, I thought that was interesting by what Aaron Forsyth said. But there, I have an almost immediate refute, uh, rebuttal to that. Um, Going back to the Godzilla cards. Uh, for example, Godzilla, King of Monsters. That is the buy box promo, which has no actual normal art form. He's just Godzilla. He has a real name under him. He, just like all the other Godzilla cards, he references an actual magic card, but this magic card doesn't exist yet as a normal version. They could have easily done that for all of these TWD commanders to make them much more easily reprintable with much less confusion, and I don't think anyone would have been upset. And much to Barnatog, he just commented right now, is another solution they could have done was wait to release them for a zombie-specific themed uh, commander set, or a zombie-specific 
uh, themed set in general. So then that way, these fit thematically into that world. Yeah, I do like that option. I, I will say, I think a big reason they couldn't do what you just described with Godzilla is there was probably some licensing reasons for that. I mean, this is going, these five cards are going to be shown on the season premiere of Walking Dead, like national television in the US and presumably other countries that also have access to the show. So the fact that that's the case, I, I, I think that, of course, I'm obviously just speculating on this, but my hypothesis is that they didn't want the awkwardness of having Michonne's name, for example, associated with some random magic card name, you know, that's a legend in magic, because the reality is, I think what they're trying to say is Michonne could just theoretically exist in the multi-universe of magic. It, it doesn't need, she doesn't need a, um, a, a, a pseudonym, a pseudonym to go with. So anyway, that's, that's, that's my hunch. I, I can't obviously confirm that, but that would be my hunch. To Barntog's point in chat and what you just brought up, I do agree with that. I think that would have been a tremendous way to deliver these, to cut down on a lot of the angst and frustration from the community. I think it would also have gotten around them breaking their promise where now they're delivering functionally unique cards, first-time prints via Secret Lair. So they could have done a set of five pre-cons each of these cards was its own commander theoretically they could have printed those cards in that same way that marrow what i was just discussing marrow's saying that they can print a magic card with a unique magic card magic world name and then behind the scenes in the oracle text say that that's the same card as michonne or negan or daryl etc etc that's what they should have done, I think. I mean, that's a great point, Barnatog. I really like that. I think it would have gotten around some of the challenges. And and functionally, they would have also been able to distribute those to other parts of the world, I, I would I would imagine. I don't think they would have issues getting that stuff out to other parts of the world. I, I can't confirm or deny that, but you would at least think that that would be true. Uh, Mike, you brought up something, just going back, Mike, you brought up a point that with regard to distribution that you think it could have to do with COVID and some of the just different settings within the world that shipping to, you know, place hotspots in the world could actually be why logistically these are not distributed. But I would point out to you that that is a great theory. Although with the first and I believe second and third secret layer that came out in December, January, February timeframe, it was pre COVID and you still couldn't get them in the majority of the world. And then they announced that they were expanding it to a handful of other areas, but that they would have to, notably, I think the EU was one of the, the primary benefactors of this, and that they would have to pay the VAT tax and basically all the taxes and import taxes would be a part of that transaction. Maybe you're right. Maybe maybe there is, you know, it's, it is COVID related and that's why they couldn't expand that further. But I get the sense that it's probably more than that, that I think Secret Lair is deeper rooted in the sense that they don't have the logistics to support it because they know Secret Lair isn't going to sell enough units to be profitable to ship somewhere like, I don't know, Brazil, for example, where I'd, I know for a fact it's not available. So that's my hypothesis. It's I, I don't think it's a logistics issue. I think it's a calculated decision by Watsi and Hasbro to say, you know what? we're not going to be able to sell enough units in these markets. We already know that based on our other products. 
there's no sense in us setting up a distribution network to support that, right? And that so that's my hypothesis. Again, you know, can't confirm any of this, but um, I don't think that it's just as simple as COVID being a challenge. So, okay, all right, let's move on here. We've covered a lot, and the last topic, or I guess two topics that I wanted to talk about. One is this idea, it was revealed on stream tonight, again, Aaron Forsyth said that magic is two things. And, and Jesus, I don't, we didn't prepare for this, so I'm going to, this is going to be for everyone listening. This is going to be a very, you know, on the spot reaction here. But Aaron Forsyth said, magic is two things. It's a game system and an intellectual property. Watsi is trying to take the IP and make it work away from the system essentially that they can put their brand, the, the Magic the Gathering brand into other areas, not card games, but things like, like the Netflix movie that's coming out, for example, and expand the, the name of the brand without actually just being part of the game. The other side of the coin is that The Walking Dead is an example where they're trying to take the game system and apply other IP into the game system. So taking someone else's large brand name, Walking Dead in this case, you could kind of look at it with Godzilla in uh, Ikoria as well. And they're taking the game and kind of just putting the magic brand aside for a second and using the system to essentially prop up another IP within the system. What's your take on that? What's What's your... What's your thought on this kind of, I, I was going to call it design space. It's not design space. It's more of like a product distribution creativity, you know, trying to figure out other ways to expand their product line and the visibility to it. What's your take on that? Personally, I love it in theory. Just they're botching its execution straight up. Um, I've got other problems with the secret layer and the sort of precedence it sets. But in terms of that as a whole, being able to not only bring the magic world to other mediums, like getting that IP and spreading it to other mediums, I think is fantastic. Um, but also getting the system as a card game system, I think of it more like similar to D&D as a role-playing system, how they introduced Magic the Gathering into it, or how they're, uh, they've introduced other worlds and stuff. The uh, DMs and stuff creating homebrews. That is fantastic. And I think, and I, in theory, I very much enjoy this. But Wizard of the Coast needs to realize, or they, they need to think deeply about how they handle this execution because it is on that hill that IPs can die. And I, I'm, it may seem like I'm exaggerating when it comes to that. But I legitimately don't think I am, as if a business tries to spread itself too thin and its resources too thin, then it will not have the logistics to functionally hold up what it has established over the years. So I think, for me, I love this for a lot of reasons. I don't like a couple of the things about it. Uh, I love the fact that it creates, it props up the brand. Like, like what they are doing with The Walking Dead, I've already touched on it once in the cast, but what they're doing here is they're creating a whole new 
outlet for the game itself to have new eyes touch it, new eyes see it, new eyes contemplate playing it and potentially adopting it as as a game of their own, a, a hobby of their own, which means we could and likely will see some player base expansion. Uh, the question obviously becomes is, you know, for the is there is there going to be players that are lost to this as well, right? And would they lose some other subset of players who are upset by this and what how much you know in each direction how much water drops out of the bucket how much water comes in do you do you net positive i personally have to think you will uh obviously it's a what if and there's no way to prove that so we'll just have to see how it plays out but i do think this is a net positive for the game and i think it means a lot of good things long term for the brand the thing i don't like about it is it really shows more it just continues what we already know about hasbro being a publicly traded company and how much they're trying to wring the money out of magic the gathering to produce for their shareholders of course they have to do that they're they're literally obligated to do that as a publicly traded company and it's good business right they're they're making money which is good business you're if you open a business you're generally in it to make money unless you're not for profit right so what they're doing is not surprising nor should it be well maybe it's surprising to some but it should not be surprising it's absolutely within the scope of what we should expect for the future there should be no surprises really anything like this in the future that happens because they are they watsi they hasbro are in it to make money first and foremost my concern with that is that i think they're losing touch with their players and they're losing touch with the community and the disconnect I, I tweeted about this the other day the disconnect between watsi and specifically watsi corporate i wouldn't say specific people at watsi but that watsi corporate as an entity is losing its touch with its community to a point where the community itself does not feel like it has a voice and and this goes beyond just the walking dead the walking dead secret layer is just another catalyst for another reason to talk about this but this this goes into the social injustice the the general sense of racism or or you know i don't know inequality that that people have shared on twitter and other you know public platforms about watsi and and their concerns there it also goes into just the alienation of what i was talking about with distribution channels and alienation of different parts of the consumer base they just launched a product called vip like very important person and it was a hundred dollar pack and the imagine how many people in the community can't afford that right so the idea that they're fracturing their player base their consumer base is actually what scares me the most i think that they're going to keep growing a consumer base and and unfortunately what i think is they're taking the stance that they say they literally have said this that that product isn't for you i mean they've literally said that it's not for you like it, it might not every product is made for every person. I think that is a really dangerous hill to to, to go, you know, make your last stand on because it puts you in a position where you have to start accounting for everybody, or else you're going to start losing them. Jesus, you just said this. You said it overexpands your resources, and I totally agree with that statement. That it's a dangerous line to walk because if you overcommit yourself to too many angles. You run the risk of losing everybody, and and so that's what I'm concerned about. It's it's not a you know magic's gonna. I I, I hate that there's people out there saying magic is gonna die, magic this, magic that, it's doomed, etc. 
it's such a we've heard this i feel like once a year on the dot every year for a decade and it's not dying new new things are going to be happening change is going to be happening every year it's happening multiple times a year the game is evolving the game is growing magic's not dying what is dying is trust in watsi and that can have long-term ramifications that could really harm the game for extended periods or you know indefinitely i would just say I mean, I can fully agree, and this kind of reminds me of a... I'm going to quote one of my friends here. So, particularly involving uh, WOTC corporate, the current corporate entity cannot... I don't think they can survive with their current image, and if they want to die on that hill, well, at least they're dead. <laughs> I mean. If they're going to keep up with this BS, if they're going to keep looking away and ignoring the fan base, ignoring uh, their community, and trying to milk them dry, especially in a, in a collectible card game like this, where there are people with mental illness, there are addicts, there are people with gambling issues who are stuck, well, who see a new product. And immediately buy it because they don't have the self-control to be able to stop themselves. If they keep trying to prey on these people, the community will have enough with it to the point where, yeah, you're right. They'll have long-term ramifications, which will be borderline irrecoverable. I so, think to solve... Sorry. Say, so if... If Watson Hasbro want to die on this hill, then at least they're going to be dead if this keeps going up. That's just where I stand. Yeah, for me, the way that you solve this is, is you look at some of the other collectible card games out there that actually conveniently are owned in the same... Some of them are owned by the same uh, company, right? The same parent company. And you see the formula in like Pokemon, for example, where they offer these extremely rare chase cards then they also have the like super playable, not rare, easy to get version of that card. Charizard is the one I'm talking about. And you could actually, you could go get a Charizard for 10, 20 bucks, or you could get the premium, amazing graded one that you're a collector for 1500 bucks or, or whatever the number is. That to me is a good formula where you're giving the, the consumer the option to, to basically be a collector or to be a player or be both, right? You could be both. There's a lot of people in Magic who are both. And I think what they've been trying to do is emulate that. The problem is that Pokemon, as an example, doesn't perfectly translate to Magic because Magic has such a massive player base. It's a utility-based game where the cards actually are needed to play the game. The game is what the is essentially the lifeblood. I mean, it's the collectability side of magic is so small these days in terms of new cards being printed. You could argue that everyone that plays the game is a collector because they want to collect their foils. You and I talk about this all the time. We're both foil into foils and premium editions and, and blinging out our decks. And, and a lot of players are like that, but where we kind of draw a line that differentiates collector from like a, like a collectible 
is collectible means traditionally that it's hard to find that it's got a meaningful you know there's like an aura about it essentially right and a collector is someone who's out there trying to get all of the things that they're collecting i think it's different in what we see today being printed like for example the box toppers in vip packs there's there's going to be you know something like 20 to 40,000 of those each of those cards available out there which is a fairly significant number compared to like the charizards and pokemon there's maybe 2,000 of those out there and so I guess what I'm saying is if you want to scale this, if Watsi wants to scale this appropriately moving forward, they need to find a way to to continue down this path of affordability, right? Have cards that, you know, you were talking about it, it's going to cost $50 for someone to get these five cards if they want to play them in Commander. That's a significant amount of money. They should have these cards available in a comparative way where it costs them, you know, 10 bucks to get these cards or maybe 20 bucks. I don't know what the right number is. There's maybe not, it's, it's a totally subjective statement, but what it comes down to is they're not right. These cards are going to be open and available for eight days and that's all you can buy them for. And then we're at the mercy of Watsi to reprint them if they get too expensive. And that's a tough place to be for a lot of players because as we were saying, it, it not everybody has 50 bucks to just go spend on a dime, you know, literally, within two weeks notice, be like, all right, I've got 50 bucks. I'm ready to go buy this. It's it's not easy to do that. I tweeted about that when this was first announced because the first thing I thought about was players that can't actually afford $50 within a week's notice. That's a not easy thing for a lot of people, especially in a recession in the middle of COVID where buy lists are depre- depreciated tremendously and people are losing jobs and rent is due, et cetera, et cetera. It's just not feasible. So that's my issue with all of it. I, I just wish that Watsi would look at this and say, okay, we're in this to make money. Let's give our consumers the option to go bling out with the coolest version via Secret Lair. Let's also give them the option via a Commander Precon that costs $20 and they get a whole deck out of it. They just did that with Zendikar Rising, so we know it's possible. I just I don't I, I don't really understand that side of things, and I really hope that they see that and correct for that long term you know they have to start building trust back in the community and and i i fully agree with that and i like how you brought up the example of pokemon because i feel like pokemon like magic has gone the way of pokemon when it came to their showcase cards um and i very much enjoy showcases i love the godzilla cards i love those sort of alternate arts and stuff and I think they should keep with that formula for standard sets. I just don't think Secret Layer is the way to introduce something mechanically unique. Um, because if you look at Pokemon, the way they handle it is they have not only rares, they have their, well, not only hollows, uh, but they also have these alternate version of the hollow cards, or in this case, we would consider them foils for magic, uh, where they introduce a new art. They look really fancy. They're gorgeous. I think my favorite one to talk about, and I know you're not going to be familiar with this as you're not as familiar with uh, Pokemon Bling as I am, but when it comes to newer sets, there is a Reshiram Zekrom GX. If you get the hollow rare of it, it, intro- it shows off N, which in lore, in game, like in the actual Pokemon Black and White games, 
He is the one who has Reshiram and Zekrom, and he is the he is essentially your adversary that you have to fight in order to be able to gain control of the le those legendary Pokemon. And the fact that you sh it shows him there with both of those Pokemon standing behind him, ready to battle, that is fantastic flavor. And it, translating that into Magic the Gathering, let's look at the showcase cards from uh, Throne of Eldraine, the open storybook at the bottom for the adventure cards. Let's look at the Godzilla cards for Ikoria, where these already behemoth monsters are being represented by well-known names, well, relatively well-known Godzilla monster names. Like, I'm a huge fan of Mothra. I still need to get my hands on a Mothra card. I love that. Godzilla himself, Mecha Godzilla. Like, come on. Yeah, and, and those personal, they give you the op opportunity to pay a little extra money to personalize your deck. And, and, you know, it really evokes that collectability side. I do think the way the secret layer was done, uh, this will be our final segment, by the way, uh, of the cast, but I'm transitioning us, Jesus, to just keep this flowing because it segues perfectly. The, the thing you and Coda and I were talking about the other day on Twitter is you guys felt that this basically creates a pseudo reserve list. I think we've kind of just on the good news of today, like you said, it took four days to get here, but they did confirm that's not fully true. The version that we're going to get in secret layer for all intents and purposes, we probably will never see that version again. There's, there's, there's a small likelihood, I guess that we could, but it's pretty unlikely that won't happen unless they get another licensing deal to reprint it. But what we do now know is that we can get a functionally same, card via oracle text reprinted to to basically become glenn michonne etc so it's not rl it's not a new reserve list exactly but it kind of is because the art on these cards specifically will likely never be seen again right so i guess i just want to kind of transition over to that final talk or final point and talk about that is with regard to this kind of you know no, this is a one-time thing. It really does evoke a level of of exclusivity, both in a good way and a bad way. The good way is that it creates a collector collector's item for Walking Dead fans specifically, but really any Magic collector. I, I think whether you're a Walking Dead fan or not, these are going to be collectible. It, it definitely creates that, and it creates this level of I don't know chase exclusivity that we wouldn't normally have with had these been printed in a commander precon as well right for example now the flip side of that is we now know that these aren't technically reserveless so we'll never actually get the art again but we could get functionally same cards it's sort of you know to what you were just saying sort of like they should have just done that right like they should have just given us that at the same time we're going back to barnetog's idea of having the commander precons and it would have allowed them to give a, a functionally uh, not just functionally, I guess I'm going to try to say affordable option, $20, $30 pre-con where a person gets a whole deck, including these Walking Dead cards, and they don't necessarily have to go after the Walking Dead version, right? Like it, it satisfies that side of the spectrum where a player just wants to play with the commander that's got Glenn's ability or Daryl's ability or Negan's ability, et cetera, but they don't want the Negan card. They don't care about the Walking Dead. They don't even like the Walking Dead, right? They just want the commander to be the commander. That for me is the miss. And it would be really neat, I think, if they could fix that side of it. I do like 
the fact that these are collectible though. And so back to just final point on this and I'll turn it back to you is I really love the idea that these are unique and collectible. So you're talking about Pokemon, you're talking about like, I, I don't, you're right. I don't know anything about Pokemon, but the ability for a, a Pokemon player or collector to go and potentially get the like ultra rare foils. I know Yu-Gi-Oh has that as well. These like super hard to get foils and, and just the thrill that that would create. You can't help but wonder if a secret layer like this done differently via like pack distribution, where if these were in a set of some sort and, and the secret layer version could be distributed in that pack, but it's like one in six cases, right? One in 20 or 36 boxes that has one of these in it. How cool that would be as like a collectible for people, a lottery ticket it would kind of go back to what expeditions were in battle for Zendikar, uh, you know, where it, it had people really excited to open packs. Uh, anyway, that, that's kind of it. What, what's your take on all that? I kind of agree with you on this in this regard. Personally, as someone who played around, well, who started with Kaladesh, I loved Masterpieces. I still love Masterpieces. What am I talking about? Um, yeah, I, love, I love the idea of Masterpieces in the sense that as a player in any normal pack, I could be like, wow, I just got this gorgeous card that's worth almost as much as a whole box if not more <laughs> um but at the same time it did invoke a sense of oh people are playing the lottery with this blah 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 i didn't really care too much for that although i can understand where those problems lie um but when it comes to this secret layer again the reason why we were we were talking a few days ago this was when almost like the day after this secret layer was initially revealed uh, when it was you and me coded debating. I love the sense of collectability that's coming with it, but we're finding out all these things post-announcement, post-outrage. It makes a whole sense, like I've said multiple times already, this whole thing is disingenuous. I, yes, even if they print functionally identical cards uh, with, and they try to oracle them in, they're going to run into the same problem they ran when they end up changing the rules for um when they end up changing some of the rules and tried to oracle how damage to planeswalkers work if you remember that uh it's no longer a redirect rule instead you target the planeswalker or you target the player oh. uh it comes to the sense of it will cause confusion and while this confusion normally at least in the case of the redirect rule, it wasn't as bad as it initially seemed. Um, when it comes to this in particular, newer players who aren't familiar, or like if you're, if this is to pull new players in, new players who buy the Walking Dead version for their deck and then want to build redundancy into their commander deck and later try to pick up the alternate versions that get printed later, well, now they're SOL because of an oracle text ruling that they did not know, which could have been solved very easily if they just tackled it in the way they tackled the Godzilla cards. Like, it brings another sense of confusion, which, although it isn't a major factor, it is a factor that should be discussed. Yeah, no, I agree. It puts the onus on the players to know the difference of the cards and, and you know, be like, yeah, this is the same card as Michonne, right? Like, it definitely does... Um, does in theory 
kind of create that and specifically the enforcement of rules where it's like a new player may not realize that if they have Michonne as their commander and then Michonne gets reprinted in some other name, but it's actually the exact same card, you can't actually use it in the deck, right? You can't like run redundancy of having Michonne and the Michonne lookalike or whatever in the deck. And, and so it just puts a little bit of onus on the players and the judges for that matter to remember that stuff. So yeah, it's not ideal. It's definitely not ideal. Um, and then, right. uh, I was going to say, and there was one more topic I wanted to discuss uh, that you talked about, but I kind of, I haven't gotten a chance to uh, rush over the pseudo reserve list aspect that we were initially talking um, at the, well, when we were initially talking about that, we did not know that there was going to be a reprint at any point in time. And honestly, that should have been one of the first things to come out of, uh, the mouth was well, out of their mouths when it came to this announcement. Hey, this cards, these cards can get reprinted with a functional reprint that will bear, well, realistically bear the same name. So you can't have them as an eight of in a deck. That should have been something that we knew off the bat, which was been. unclear because they didn't handle this like they handled the Godzilla cards. And I think that is the biggest miss and why it so frustrates me so much because yeah. we we sat for four days in complete confusion on what's actually going to be going on with this i mean it could have avoided a lot of anxiety for the community if that would have just come out and been very like blunt and and poignant and mark Wa rosewater i think it was on twitter tried to ease concerns and said that but his wording in his tweet was like ambiguous and it didn't you know, there, there were people dissecting it like, oh, well, it can't be with the art, so that means it'll have to be a different card. Like, we, nobody realized, and I don't think we've ever had an example of this before, which is why we never realized it, but nobody realized that we would have this option to use Oracle text to be like, yeah, this this arbitrary card name is actually Michonne, right? Like, we can actually connect these two cards together somehow, and, and so that's what's really bizarre about it. I don't actually know how they'll do that from a gather ID standpoint, but regardless, I'm not going to sit here and talk about all that. But well, yeah, it's it, ultimately it's not surprising. Watsi has proven time and time again in 2020, and really before that. But I mean, it has been an absolute shit show in 2020. That 2020, geez, I said 2023 times there. Um, it has been an absolute shit show in 2020 that they have not gotten communication right. I mean, we just went over this three months ago when Double Masters went live. You know they. Oh yeah, you can get two mythics in a pack. No, wait, just kidding. You can't actually get two mythics in a pack uh, in the same or in the two card slots. You can get one mythic borderless card and one mythic pack version card, but you can't actually get two. So, uh, yeah, it's just it's been kind of a they just need to get their communications in order. Ultimately, I think that would solve a lot of their problems. I think they really also could benefit tremendously from having like a diplomats within the community or, or advocates, advisors, whatever you want to call them within the community that, that could do quite a bit of, you know, just kind of yeoman's work the same way that Shivam does for the, the commander advisory group. I mean, he, he's a player first who is able to relate to the players at a level that most of the CAG has never seen before. Watsi could use that in spades. I mean, they could use, 20 shivams you know what i mean so anyway um that's kind of my final thought here yeah i mean i i can agree fully with that i just feel like the whole way this was handled was 
crappy. Everything from clarity on the card to trying to fix everything via Oracle text. Like, if things need to be fixed via Oracle text, that breaks rule number one of any any TCG, which is RTFC. Read the fucking card, please. If at any point that that first rule is broken, then that either means you're trying to fix a problem from long ago, or you have a major mistake on your hands. Yeah, totally. Um, I think that'll do it. Do you have any final thoughts? Mm-hmm, that's about it. That, on top of that, I should say, because that was a good a good final thought to wrap on. All right, folks. Well, thank you for tuning in to the live listeners. Appreciate you as always. And for anyone listening to this, we, we sincerely appreciate it as well. It has been a, a couple of weeks since we've been able to get a cast together. So it was great to finally get a recording out there for you all. And uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Chai Style Gaming. You can find Conviction Gaming on Twitter at Conviction MTG. You can find all of our podcasts and articles at Conviction Gaming's website, which is just convictiongaming.com. Super easy to find. And Jesus, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me on Hispanic at the D5 uh, on Twitter, or you can just find me on the Conviction Gaming Discord. I'm fairly active. Feel free to at me whenever it comes to anything commander related or really anything. I just like talking. we both do like talking that is a that's a good summation if there was one way to describe you and i so uh yeah so folks i appreciate it as always wrapping up signing off we will be back next week to talk about commander legends next week and excited for spoilers they start on october 12th so we'll go we'll be ready for that and conviction will be hopping i hope to see you there join us in our discord you can actually access our discord for free via the conviction gaming website so if you're just tuning into this, you're not a part of our Discord and you use Discord, definitely encourage you to come check it out. You'll be just in time for spoiler season, which is absolutely the place to be. Uh, we, we are we are the probably the most fun Discord when it comes to that. So anyway, uh, looking forward to it. And, and Jesus, as always, great cast. Good talking. Have a great night, folks. Have a good one, everyone.